When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Excuse me, Veronica. Yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. Hello and welcome back to the Pants Party. I am Harrison Star, HD underscore star on Twitter, joined as always by Ben Ross, Harmon Chillabrew, Renboss23 on the Bird app. My friend, how are you doing? Not great. I'm getting paid to actually work. It sucks. You know, I would love to work a job right now where I'm getting paid money to go away, but, you know, <laughs> I just chose the wrong profession, I guess. I think we all did, you know, um, I'm, I, I got paid to not work last week, and I'm sure we're, we're definitely going to get into the Paul Chris stuff, because, you know, when we bring the after parties into effect it's like somehow th- there's very little that happens within the Iowa football ecosystem between after a game and when we normally record but we had so much it seemed like happen this week in a way that I certainly didn't expect at this time frame but I do want to talk about my vacation because last week we were in Lovely Sanibel Island before it got ravaged by Ian. And first, I want to say we went to the Fort Myers uh, Iowa Watch Party for the Rutgers game. And I want to, since we hadn't podcasted since that really, Ben, I want to say like that was kind of an electric game, at least for (laughs) Iowa as it concerns to uh, 2022, because, like, you had Cooper DeGene making that crazy play. You had Kayvon Merriweather's touchdown. It's like, oh, that was that, that felt like it was juice worth the squeeze, but then you get to the end of the game, and it's like, oh, Iowa only scored 13 points on offense, and it's like, oh, boy, there's more of this, more where this came from, and, and I never rewatched it um, because... We, we had other things to tend to, like the beach and making our way to, to Miami, Florida. But I, I think I, I kind of want to preface like our Iowa discussion with even what feels like progress on offense, when you look at it, broadly speaking, it just, it, it isn't that. Like, what was yesterday is today and what is tomorrow what will be tomorrow is also today. Like, it's it just, it, it, it's wild, and I think what we'll talk, obviously, more about the Michigan game and maybe some longer views of the season at large, but, man, it's just, like, such a fun game to watch, but it's easier to watch when you're just kind of sitting, taking in an environment, and can look up and see Iowa do stuff, but when you're actually in the stadium, I, I feel like it's it's as bad or bad of a product as it's ever been. Yeah. I don't want to talk about the Rutgers game too much. I like you, I was in Florida uh, during that game, but I was in, I was just a few miles away in Sarasota, but I was at a wedding and I didn't even know Iowa at earlier in the day. I assumed Iowa was playing at 11 AM or noon local time, which is when Iowa should be playing Rutgers in, in eternity, in perpetuity. Uh, you know, mid-wedding festivities, I look at the score, it's 14 nothing, and then I find out, or I think it's 14-7, rather, and I find out both of Iowa's touchdowns are Cooper DeGene <laughs> pick six and a Kayvon Merriweather scoop and score, and again, me and my friends are doing, he can't keep getting away with this, hands in our heads, Kirk Ferentz, 
<laughs> offense winning games this way, and obviously he isn't getting away with it in terms of, I mean, with the Michigan loss. Uh, now, to your point with being in a stadium, I can't imagine what it was like going to that game. And you're truly a captive. You're a captive audience. You know, I don't want to make a joke about alcohol now being served in Kinnick, making it better, because let's be honest, I don't think it does make it any better. If you were really hell-bent on getting booze in the stadium before this year, you're getting booze into the stadium. You know, it's... Sure, maybe you're among friends, you're in black and gold, you're among the pageantry, you get to see Brad Banks in there and the rest of the 2002 team. But if it was me in there, I wouldn't give a shit. Like, I don't... You know, why wasn't this in... I would have preferred this to be a night game, one. Two, this team doesn't deserve my money. This team does... Not only that, it doesn't deserve, like... I say it doesn't deserve my time, even though I watch the whole thing on my couch. But, like, you know, in terms of getting to Iowa City, spending the money on a hotel or arranging uh, accommodations, or and then, you know, tailgating. Tailgating's the best part. It was when I was a student... And it still would be today if I was going to games, like, I would go for the tailgate. And it's not worth an 11 a.m., you know, you don't get the full tailgate experience for an 11 a.m. game. I'm as apathetic, and we'll get into this, but I'm as apathetic on this team as I've ever been, including, you know, 2012. Um, Just because 2012 was basically a sunk season. We knew it by this point. Whereas Iowa, any, you know, I don't think I was going to obviously go and win the rest of their game. It's the rest of its games. I don't think it's going to win in Columbus. I don't think it's going to win in Champaign. But it's not going to, it's going to win more than four games, which was what our 2012 team did. And this team is so much more talented than that 2012 team, which makes it all the more depressing. Yeah. I think the, the broad picture is it worth my money take is is where it's most important right because i think and i said this you know as it was happening or not as it was happening but like shortly after it happened where the sellouts occurred and that looked like sellouts because it was never released to like the full public it was people who were already season ticket holders were buying up the tickets to to get to that sellout point. There are probably going to be some really cheap tickets for some of these games. Like, I think that the, the big one, the two big ones that you circled at the beginning of the year were Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa State, to a lesser degree. And that Wisconsin game has no shine on it right now and you know that the haze in the barn with the Michigan and Iowa State games and I'm with you like I am not getting back to Iowa the only reason I'm going to see an Iowa game this year is because um I like making the Purdue Iowa game a thing whether it's in West Lafayette and this will be my first time in West Lafayette since I graduated, basically. I think I won a time or two after that. So that'll be fun. But I don't know that I, when I look at next year, and certainly the rest of this year, I don't want to put in the commitment that you described to get to a game, especially when in all likelihood it's going to be an 11 o'clock game. And the one area where I do disagree with you about alcohol making it better inside the stadium is that at least refilling beers gives you an excuse to get up and make your way around the stadium. Enjoy to your point, like the pageantry of Kinnick stadium of a college football Saturday, because when you really kind of sit into this stuff and the way Kirk Ferentz constructs this team because I look at Spencer Petras, his best stat line in over a year. And garbage time, obviously, played a huge part of it. But 
it's borderline irrelevant because in the course of when the game is important, Iowa struggles so much to connect on plays to make the game important, right? Like, I I think about um, from the Michigan game, Iowa was down, what, maybe 10-0, 13-0, whatever it was, and they finally crossed midfield. Three plays, three pretty open receivers, all of them airmailed. And to have been in the stadium at that time, I can only imagine, like, just the winds out of your sails, it feels like you're watching a continuation of the um, Big Ten Championship game from the year prior, and it would have been a continuation for four quarters, except for Jim Harbaugh, very... He let his foot off the gas. He put it back on, uh, that four-down drive. Um, and then, t- to me, he it, it was a full quarter that Michigan kind of just coasted to the end because it was just a certainty that they were going to win. And that's where I'm most mad, is after that third-quarter punt where Iowa gets the ball back at the 40-yard line, I, I had gotten myself ready to go for a run, and I'm like... They don't do anything here. I'm going to get a nice run in for the fourth quarter. going to talk about that on the pants party, after party, and not have missed a thing. But they made me believe, Ben, even even if it was like a subterranean 1% thing. And, and I think that's ultimately what Iowa football is about, is that stupid less than 1% belief that keeps you back in because... You only get 12 shots of these a year. And, and that's ultimately what's what Iowa football fandom is hanging on right now. Yeah, a lot of points I wanna, <clears throat> you brought up that I want to react to. First of all, like since Petrus' stats borderline irrelevant, you know, I think they're 100% irrelevant. Uh, I don't think there's anything borderline about it. Even, you know, taking out the garbage time, it was still a... Score game wasn't even as close um, as the score indicated. You know, I, I think the stats are irrelevant because the game wasn't exciting. It wasn't close. It was close for the first drive of the game, and then it was close for that t- uh, for that late drive where Iowa almost made it a one score game with uh, eight minutes to go in the contest. But then, you know what? Petrus put up sixty more yards after that when they were down two scores. It, it didn't matter. Um, you talk about sort of like Hayes in the barn already with Iowa State and, and Michigan. And I don't want to be too pessimistic and futile, but it's like Hayes in the barn. We got Ohio State still on the schedule. And then sort of after that, it's who, who do you get excited about? Like beating – after Minnesota losing to Purdue, like that game has lost its sheen. Obviously, the stuff with um, Wisconsin is losing its sheen with what they're dealing with. You know, the, this game against Illinois is what I could make the argument it's the most exciting game of the year because one, it's away, and and two, it's a night game, and three, it'll be interesting to see what how Bert salts the earth for the second week in the row. Uh, I suppose, like, if Iowa just comes out and lays a big wet fart, which, I'll be honest, that's what I, I fully expect. I fully expect them to do. Then what is even the point? Uh, uh, like, I go back to being as apathetic as I say I've ever been. Like, what is even the point of, you know, because unlike, when we'll get into a broader Wisconsin discussion, I'm sh- sure, unlike Wisconsin we're not going to fire our coach. We're not going to change a single goddamn thing mid-season or post-season. Um, you know, post-season, you can make that argument that maybe we will, but I simply don't think that will happen. And then finally, going back again to, well, one, I do want to say, yeah, beers, I would much rather be drinking a beer in a stadium than the smuggled crotch flask than I would be with whiskey and Diet Coke. So, that I mean, that is a good point, and it gives you the opportunity to walk around Kinnick and eat the world's shittiest stadium food. I don't know if they've upgraded it or not, but <laughs> I can't imagine they have. 
Um, Get Panchero's nachos. Something. Maybe there are it, Panchero's yeah, nachos. Seriously. I don't think I think we would have heard about it if they had Ponch in there. Um, like my best, one of my very best friends went to college with him. See him all the time here in Chicago. His brother goes to Illinois, and he is begging me to go to the game. He'll cover cost of ga- he'll drive me there, cover the cost of gas, cover the hotel, which I can't imagine is cheap. And it's like, no. I don't I don't want to go and I had, I had plans of going to Ohio State and uh quick peek behind the curtain of my life, I was in the middle of buying a house here and I was supposed to close that weekend. And so I told my friends who I was going to Ohio State with, I can't do it. And it seems like my house sales falling through and I haven't told them yet. Because I don't want to go get roped back into going to Ohio State. So I'm going to wait until the absolute last second and tell them that my uh, contingency offer is going to fall through. And I know they don't listen to this. So I've got, <laughs> I'm not worried about it at all. But it's like, if I can't watch Iowa either from the comfort of my own couch or slammered in a rowdy bar where I can keep one eye on that game and the another eye on any other college game then yeah, I'd rather do that. It's... I, I want to say, like, I don't know how we got to this point, but I, know, but I know exactly how we got to this point, Ben. Like, the the thing that you alluded to from, from Kirk's press conference and you talked about before was... Uh, and it's triple hearsay in some ways, but I'm playing back what you told me. Someone asked him, "Did you ever have you ever entertained... Uh, you know, f- making a staff change mid-season. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Some answer like that. Never, uh, basically a no. And it, wh- why would I do that? And it's just, it's so, entrenchment is so baked in to Kirk Ferentz's personality that he is going to double, triple, quadruple, quintuple down on who is in his building, doing things his way on down the line until he faces a, a an inflection point where, oh, maybe if I do things 5 to 10% differently, we can have a, a really good result. It can extend me for years and years. And then I can continue to entrench. And you you look back on it, and it's like, you know, 2004 to 2007, or 2005, 6, 7, those, those were bad years. We see him flip in 2008, 2009, because he finally gives in to Ricky Stanzi. And then you have 2010 to, to 2014, really, where it's just stasis. And it's like, okay, we'll, we'll go to Bethard. And he never was faced with that post Bethard, really. Like, you may say, or, or one may say, 2016 getting rid of Davis or in elevating Brian, but in, you know, some respects, that's just entrenching, that's further entrenchment. That's not a, that's not a change for difference. That's a change for continuity to, to bring your son into the second most important role on on a normal football team. And then he was never really faced. I mean, I guess 2020 getting rid of Doyle, but it wasn't a results-based change. He never had a season so down, so sideways, where he had to make a change to get better and get that next contract. Because he got that contract after last year, and in many ways it was deserved. And it certainly, from a dollars and cents standpoint, you know, putting him back into the top 15 of coaches makes sense. He's a top 15 coach. But he didn't have to do anything different to get that, I guess is maybe my ultimate point. And the fact that we're here seeing him do things the exact same way. Are we just going to have to wait till 2025 for <laughs> for him to have to face the music? Because that's what it's looking like. Yeah, the only time I can, I mean, point the finger and say, yeah, I'd make a change mid-season, I think, is either 13 
or 12 where the punt where I think the special teams coach's name was like Chris Anderson or something where the, we gave up two fake punts or we fell for two fake punts and that kind of feels like a <laughs> take a look at who the special teams co- might have even been Lester Herb I can't remember but yes of course we're gonna wait till 2025 and kudos to Wisconsin I guess now is the time to yeah now's this time now's as good the time as any Kudos to Wisconsin for realizing that money is fucking fake in the year 2022 and the upcoming Big Ten TV rights contract is going to put what? Is it $40 million a year? Is it more than that in each school's bucket? I think it doubles the each school's numbers, yeah. So it's from a, from TV. Yeah. So it's roughly. I I I think it's more than forty million a year. But I think it's in. I think it's just north of that. And so what? They're paying Paul Chris sixteen million to go away. That's nothing. You wipe your fucking ass with that. And on top of all the revenue that I would that Wisconsin gets from football and basketball, and they've got strong women's sports and hockey and all of that. And then on top of that, like they're talking about boosters. Iowa doesn't have those. Like, Wisconsin coffers are probably even deeper uh, than many schools we would think because, I mean, it's the Badgers, it's the Packers, it's beer and bratwurst up there. What else are you going to do? You know, I was just in Madison for work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday this past week, so maybe I was the one who brought on the bad luck to Paul Christ. But, <laughs> you know, I, I want to work myself into a lather. You know, thinking, you you look at Paul Christ's, you look at just, if you remove his name, sort of from any Wikipedia, um, Wikipedia article, and you look, just look at his record, looking at, you know, 20, uh, just this past year, or yeah, 2021, where Wisconsin, they lost four games. And three of them were to ranked teams. And I was actually at one of those games, too, at uh, at Notre Dame, or in, in Chicago where they played Notre Dame. But then, you know, Wisconsin, so they start the season horribly, one and three. But then they go on a seven-game winning streak, including wins over, at the time, 25 Purdue and number nine Iowa, and still pull off, what, a, t- uh, a ball win and nine wins. It just so happens that they're probably the only bad loss of the year. It happened to be the very last loss of the entire season against Minnesota in a really bad game um, that they, you know, they lost by 10, and had they won it, they'd go to another Big Ten championship and have the opportunity to get shit on by Michigan. Um, you know, a team that they lost at home. <laughs> 38-17 uh, uh, early in October last year. You know, they had three 10-win seasons from 2016 uh, to 19, beat Miami in the, was it the Orange Bowl? In the BCS Bowl? Yeah. And now, you know, I don't want to say they're overreacting. I want to work myself into a lather and I want to believe that this is their Frank Solich or Bo, Bo Pelini moment. But I do kind of agree with Wisconsin fans in saying, you know, they fired Solich and Pelini for winning nine games a uh, season and eight games a season, whereas Christ, I guess this season was not probably not going to, looking at Wisconsin's schedule rest of the season, let's take a look. Um, who's left on it? Really good radio. Uh well, I mean, that's the that's the thing. Like, you look at it, and in some ways, it's like the it's what Nebraska did. It's get rid of the guy before yeah. they could easily win a bounce can seven. happen. They got at Northwestern, at Michigan State versus Purdue versus Maryland, at Iowa, at Nebraska versus Minnesota. That's seven incredibly winnable games and nine wins on the table, and. <laughs> It's just absurd to me. I do think it is pretty crazy. They fired him in midseason for the reason more than anything is reading all the articles about who they're going to replace him. And now they have Jim Leonard as the interim coach. And it's like, 
the people it doesn't make any sense because people are saying one they fired Chris to save Jim Leonard, but two if they don't hire Jim Leonard to be the head coach after this year, Jim Leonard's leaving. There's no way he's staying if he doesn't become the head coach. So what the hell? I haven't seen any good rebuttal to that online. And then the other the names that I'm seeing. A charitably, Wisconsin is probably the third best team that's going to be hiring a coach this season after Auburn and um, I don't know who would be uh, Nebraska. Ne- ne- would you say Auburn, Nebraska, Nebraska and, argu- and maybe Missouri, even arguably because of the SEC. And so I, I'm a I'm still kind of a Lance Leopold truther, but they're going to lose that sweepstakes. Who are they? They want to get Matt Rule. That's fucking hilarious. Hasn't coached a college game in six years. Uh, that always works out. Um, bring back Dave Aranda. Why would you leave Baylor? That's like such a cake job, making so much goddamn money. Um, <laughs> don't, doesn't have to answer anybody there. Like there is nobody. As, what? There is like just nobody. Doesn't have to answer to anybody. That's just hilarious. You don't. I mean, it, yeah, you don't. There's no oversight whatsoever. None. Um. Like, it, it is pretty crazy to me. You know, and other names are like Daryl Bevel. Like, are you serious? You want to go? And then that's another Wisconsin guy. Keep on going back to, like, those kinds of wells. Dave Doran, you know, sure, take him. NC State, whatever, have him. Another another guy from Wisconsin. He I don't think he played for the Badgers, but still another guy from Wisconsin. Like, they're talking about, you know, you always want to go to the, from the opposite of your ex. And I don't see that happening. Bo Pelini. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, like I mean, like I think it's just such a a weird like economics play. I think is ultimately what it comes down to. It it is, it's that and a gamble that Jim Leonard is the second coming in some respects because. To me, I the more I think about it, the less I understand it, other than you you just kind of play all this stuff out and it's Chris McIntosh, I think is the eighties the name. He's the first guy after Alvarez. Um and wanting to make his mark. I I don't see this necessarily being the the Bo Pelini moment or the Frank Solich moment, but I definitely see it as a situation where there is a substantial amount of risk in terms of where Wisconsin is, where they've been. Um, To me right now, I think what Chris had done with Wisconsin was turn them into like a, a higher floor, higher ceiling version of Northwestern where there was some amount of volatility in terms of like the year on year wins and losses results, but they were always who they were and that's what they were. Now I think that the thing that Chris, I don't think Chris necessarily endeared himself at any point in his um, tenure to, like, the people that matter. Clearly, he's a player's coach. I don't think you see Braylon Allen saying what Braylon Allen tweeted um, if he had not endeared himself to the players. Do you know what his so nickname that... was? I just found this out. Paul Chris? Yeah. No, what? It was Coach Dad. Oh, geez Louise. Yeah. Like, I had no idea that was even what people called him. Because he was just such a likable... Everybody freaking loved him. So going back, that's why I don't think the Bo Pelini thing is one-to-one. Because Pelini was an asshole. But right. the uh, Chris, again, small-town Wisconsin guy. Salt of the earth. Everybody loved him. And I just... I, I don't get... That's why I just... I increasingly don't get it, other than the sense that, like, the Wisconsin AD just doesn't think that Chris is the guy to kind of captain the ship of Wisconsin football into the new landscape of the Big Ten and 
the national landscape of what college sports is probably going to be. I don't think he's not the guy, though. Like, I, I think that that's what makes it so interesting. Is like, there's nothing that says he can't keep doing what he's done at Wisconsin because, what, they, they went to four, three or four Big Ten championships under him. As you described, they went to, they won the two um, early tenure uh, New Year's Six Bowl, lost the uh, Rose Bowl they against went to Oregon. Rose Bowl four years ago. And, and if you, if you won for one Rose Bowl into what a 12-team playoff looks like, he can do that. Right? Like, I, I, th- that's where I come down to. Because, like, I think if if I look at the Wisconsin to Iowa comparison, I don't know that Kirk Ferentz can get Iowa into that type of conversation for a number of reasons. But mainly because the last time Iowa finished in that range was 2009. The 2009 season. So... To me, it is a huge gamble. It is, in some respect, change for change's sake. And it's it ultimately boils down, as, as you described, into just a total belief in Jim Leonard because you're exactly right. Like, I don't think you go away from Leonard after giving him this seven-game runway and potentially eight. Or nine. Honest. I mean, who knows? Who knows? Maybe they, 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 they're they're only they're only one game back. I know in the in the division race. I want a few things. One, I'd even consider like the twelve team playoff like implications. They go ten and three, eleven three, thirteen and one from two thousand fifteen to seventeen. You can make the case that they make the playoff all three of those years. You know, and then twenty nineteen they go into again. The, that's the Rose Bowl year. Like, what are you saying to if you don't go with Leonard? What are you saying to your future coach about exactly. whoever takes yeah. the job? And you and w- me writing off those numbers, those wins and losses. I think comparing them to Northwest, you know, of course they're a higher ceiling and higher floor than Northwestern. There's the only variance in their season was really t- 2018, where they went eight and five, which is you know. A, great year for Northwestern and then 2020 which where they went three and four which I don't think anybody counts um to to me I can't believe because that has to be part of this it is oh we've had yeah two bad seasons in three I I just can't believe that 2020 is any calculus in this but that's what I'm reading it as I, I mean there there were rumor I mean he did hand if people forget, but Wisconsin had a really bad COVID outbreak in 2020, and yeah. Paul Christ was identified as patient zero, I think, of that. <laughs> so, so that could have Salt been... Salt of the earth. Yeah. That, I mean, maybe it was even worse than we think. Uh, but also, it's like, I mean, come on, who who's really faulting anybody for shit that anybody did in 2020, man? Ever, that was a fucking do-over year for everybody. Uh, you talk about. Sh- I want to. I do want to ask. I, you, there's something I wrote down here. I can't read my handwriting based on what you just said. I want to ask you a question, though. Well, two things actually. One, and I don't want to. I just want to ask. I don't want to talk about this a lot. But like, what's to say about Greg, Greg Gard now? Like, I always thought of him as a Paul Christ of college basketball, maybe a little bit better. But like, if Greg Gard pisses down his leg this year, is he gone too? We can only hope, Ben. Yeah. Because I fucking hate that guy. But... <laughs> I don't think there's a coach I just like more than that man. Yeah. And then, second is... Let me ask you something. No other caveats. Just one-to-one. Not even a trade, really. But, like, if I could tell you tomorrow that we could have Paul, Paul Christ would be our Iowa's football coach starting tomorrow, would you take it? See that that's where this is a good question. I'm I'm very 50-50 on it. I I think the reason I wouldn't is it's like the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. Like, we, do I think know that, we, don't, we do know Paul Chris. We don't We do know Paul Chris. You're right. You're right. But like I think that the points that Dad's kind of made in their um 
uh, in the slack where their offensive line play has gone downhill. I think that that, that is oh, a Wisconsin concern. or Iowa. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a good point. Um, I would say wide receiver play has gone downhill. Who, who, who do I get? Who, who do I, shitty who, who do I get to keep on Iowa's staff? Uh, I that, guess that's the question. You can do whatever you want. All you know is that the next head, the head coach is going to be Paul Christ. I can't tell you anything else about coaching staff personnel change, change ups anything. Like that's that. why I say the devil. You know, I'd rather have Phil Parker and Lavar Woods operating within Kirk Ferentz's weird ass structure than. Paul Chris maybe getting rid of either of them. I simply couldn't disagree with you more. Even if okay, even I like if it this. Does, even if it does cost Parker or and or Woods, which I don't think it would, but even if it does, I don't I don't see how you don't take that trade right now. Simply for the same reason they moved on from Christ is the writing was on the wall. Change for change sake wasn't yeah. yeah. And even that, though, that, even that's more the best point. Yeah, I mean, it's even more inflated for Iowa. Christ was at Wisconsin for seven years. Kirk's been at Iowa for 22. You know? <laughs> Come on. The, the point you make that at least there is more recent ele- evidence that Christ can elevate a program than exists with Kirk. To me, that is... That is the reason why I think I'm 60% yes. I'm not all the way yes, but 60% of the way there. How much of it is Barry Alvarez? Like, I mean, I, is... Because oh. is, to, to, you think none? None? Well, no. Well, what do you mean? Well, like, I'm wondering if this... If Barry was really the guy who just pulled the strings the whole time. Like, I mean, there's always been kind of the... the the chatter around him and Bielema and it, Barry kind of, you know, screaming, guiding yeah, him along in some respects. Kicking Barry out of practice, things like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I I think what, what this change does, though, ultimately, I think it lowers both Wisconsin's potential floor. It keeps their ceiling because I don't think the the... The ceiling can still get there. Like, they, they can still get to nine wins. Like, I, I think the way they got rid of him, how they got rid of him, was a bet that they're probably going to go eight and four or nine and three, no matter who's the coach. Eight and four, to your point, you can keep, keep the Chris train rolling, but against kind of everybody's wishes in some respects to just rip off the band-aid see what you have in Leonard give him you know two seasons to to figure it out and, and to your point like I'm, I'm how many good football coaches are there <laughs> I think there's a lot I think there's a lot of good football I think there's way more good football coaches in college than there are in the NFL well, how many football coaches can elevate Wisconsin? I guess is maybe the well, not because I think Arand is the guy, right? That would be the one that would scare me, maybe the most that Wisconsin could go to. I think absolute dream, pie in the sky guy would probably be, yes be off the top without being able to look at a list like Dave Aranda. You know, people, God, even some guy from fucking Outkick was saying Mike Gundy or. Um, fucking Saban. It's like, those guys aren't leaving. Mike Gundy's the king of Stillwater. Like, he's not coined to frickin', um... He's... He, Mike Gundy would get off the plane in Madison and turn right back around. That yeah. man is meant for Stillwater. Yeah. Um, so yeah, probably Aranda, but I'm saying, like, I can name, I can name ten guys right now who could go and elevate Wisconsin. And... You know, two of them are about, you know, at top of my head, easily I could say this Lincoln Riley, not so much, but Chip Kelly, now that the, both mm. of these guys are about to be in the Big Ten now, too, it's like, I don't know, if Chip Kelly brings UCLA back to a UCLA football program that I've never known <laughs> as a football Very program, goodness. Then, then sure, then stick around, but like, 
Hell, you could go with it. I mean, go back. I mean, Doran, maybe. I believe in him. Um, the Whoever the NDSU coach flavor of the month is, take him. Uh, I'm a big, big, big believer in Chris Kleiman at Kansas State. I think he's going to be the yeah. next flavor of the month. And maybe maybe Sneaky He is. I haven't seen his name on any of uh, potential lists. And maybe it's because he's loving his time in Manhattan like Bill Snyder. But... So that's what I mean by there's a lot of good coaches, but do you want to go coach in Madison when you're going to have to coach against Ohio State and Michigan? I'm not going to put Penn State in this conversation because, again, I think they are sort of a house of cards. Uh, and maybe that's just me willing that into existence. <laughs> and then soon you're going to have UCLA and UC- USC in this equation. And if not other, you know, good, good schools, too in the near future beyond. Yeah, I think that's bringing it back to a little bit of Iowa. Because, like, I I think what McIntosh is doing is basically, I don't think his gamble is that Chris cannot guide them in the future Big Ten and the future national landscape. That's where I am so convinced that Iowa is not prepared under Kirk Ferentz. Like, I just... I, to get into the top 12, you need some razzle-dazzle. It is kind of the ultimate point, because that'll be, you You have to be one of the six best non-conference winning teams, right? Like, that. that's how it's going to be set up. And they're not going to put in a team that Stu Gotts named as the most boring sporting event you can watch. You don't Not even just... need, with college football, you don't even need razzle-dazzle. You need an incredible, like, an incredible, incredible quarterback. It's just yeah. like, really all you need. Truly. Yeah. I think, you know, if Iowa, if Wisconsin, if Graham Mertz was incredible, we wouldn't be having this conversation. If Spencer Petras was incredible, we wouldn't be having this conversation. And those teams wouldn't be razzle-dazzle. They would just be highly competent power football teams. Yeah, and that... I do think that's that's like where that is the thing that's most concerning is when you put it through that frame of reference, Iowa hasn't Iowa's had that quarterback twice. Twice. Yep. Twice. And I, I wouldn't even necessarily put Ricky Stanzi, his senior year was very, very good. But to me, game changing quarterbacks from start to finish of a game it's Brad Banks, and it's actually, I think, C.J. Beathard. Yeah. I think no, those are probably the, the two best. Um, Drew Tate and Stanzi, I think, are levels below. But to me, those are the two quarterbacks that start to finish you had to account for over the course of a football game that Iowa has not necessarily had since. I don't know that there's another guy on that roster who, who does that, and I Kirk Ferentz certainly isn't going to turn over the reins because I don't like I like the idea of seeing more Alex Padilla because I, it's seeing something different. But if there's a guy on there that can do different stuff, it's probably Labis, and we know Kirk's disdain for playing uh, not first string quarterback, so he's definitely not going to play third string. But ultimately, like what what I'm bringing this to is like I just don't think Iowa is prepared to get maybe the quarterback that they'll need for being in the top 12. And I think that having the playoff, it's going to increase the importance of the regular season. It's going to make what Iowa is going through now, it's going to an equivalent season with the playoff where Iowa has playoff aspirations as you know, projecting what happened last year onto this year if the playoff existed. There's no way that the heat will be higher and more direct because Iowa isn't challenging for a playoff. And and I don't think Kirk Ferentz is ready for that level of heat. And I don't think that for a number of reasons, like that, that's, to me, what's most frustrating. Maybe I'm a little more optimistic about kind of the rest of this year, just because the West is so weird. 
kind of next year, kind of the year after before USC and UCLA get on board. But once the playoff is full go, I I mean, I almost wonder if Iowa would be better served to play in their own little eight-team eight relegated version of the Big Ten where we just travel by bus, at least under Kirk at least. Uh, I'm rambling. The only way, the only way Iowa like gets that quarterback is he if if he comes from our backyard. He's an under he we Josh Allen he Josh Allen's into our laps where he's under recruited three three star fringe three star guy grows four inches between his freshman and sophomore year and becomes an incredible quarterback. Well, that's not going to happen because Iowa had that guy ostensibly, and I mean Rocky Lombardi was a four star and I know Des Moines is in our backyard. They couldn't even get him, and he went to shoot. Max Michigan. Duggan. I don't even know who that is. Tearing it up at TCU. Oh, Council r- Bluff. Really? Yeah. Was he? Did he even get an offer at Iowa? Uh, let's confirm this. I'm on his page right now. Um, it's the first time I'm hearing of this. The the first time you're hearing that. Oh my god, this is incredible. That All makes right. me so mad. Max Duggan. It says he was offered, but um. And TCU stinks. That's a school of six thousand kids. Fucking Fort Worth private school. Oh my god! You're gonna go. Play I think for- it was the the cursory uh, offer. I don't think it was a real offer. Anyway, you know, and then Rocky Lombardi turns out to be a big stinker is currently playing for 1-4 North, Northern Illinois. Like, I would just have to get lucky, and this isn't a team that gets lucky. You know, I guess the luckiest... What, what do you think? The luckiest player we've fallen into is AJ Epinesa? Cooper DeGene. Cooper DeGene. I mean, the... I mean, in Wonk, in Wonkpa, I guess those ha- are those are the two. But yeah, I mean, to Hawkinson your point, fan Epines's, too, I guess, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I it's, I think your bigger point though is Iowa doesn't fall into that. They don't fall into quarterback luck. Mm-mm. They did once with Brad Banks, and it was in two thousand one. It was like ripping fingernails <laughs> because there was still. You know, the stuff with McCann, and McCann was a fine, like, I think McCann had, like, a 67% completion percentage. Like, why, like, that's the thing that concern, that frustrates me so much is when I look back at these stats that Iowa was putting up in 2001-2002 from their quarterbacks, the stats are, like, better <laughs> than they were, than they are now. It's like, they ran... A 2022, in some ways, modern offense back in 2002. And Kirk Ferentz is like, oh, I'm too far ahead of the times. i got to get away from this. I mean, this. there was a time, was there not, when Ken O'Keefe was an innovative offensive genius. Regarded it. Not, maybe not genius, but I don't know what would, what would be a step between competent and, you know, just who's very good at his job. There. That's the highest compliment. Yeah, he's a, he's a pretty good offensive coordinator. Yeah. And like uh, John John Miller's posted like the annual like oh here's where Iowa's offense is ranked. Brian has the lowest high and the lowest low. Ken O'Keefe has the highest high and the highest low. Like, I mean, does that that's devastating that that's the answer I if think, Brian were to leave. I think, yeah, I think I saw the same thread, and it was like the line of demarcation was 68th. If I would just had the 68th best offense in the country, they'd likely be undefeated right now. Like, are you fucking kidding me? And you can't it's, tell it's me, just... you can't tell me that even with Petrus or Padilla that Iowa doesn't have, the play, doesn't have the horses to be 68th, especially with the teams we've been playing. Like, come on. Yeah, I mean that's the, they're Division One quarterbacks for a reason. Like, I, I mean, I what I was done to Petrus has been in some ways just total dereliction of duties. And the way that they're managing him now, he's gotten better at the things he stinks at. Like I think JP shared, Petrus was seven to seven on play action last week, but it's 
with really good coaching. And, and there are just so many problems because then it's like, oh, well, this is the youngest offensive line Iowa's ever had. This is, you know, a depleted receiving core. Still no news on Keegan Johnson, as I understand it. Uh, Petrus is a player with his warts, as all college quarterbacks are. And just like Iowa, the problems Iowa has build on each other into such huge problems. And Brian Ferentz, as we've described, he has fine plays sometimes, but he hasn't added to his video resume this year, Ben, I don't think. And it's just frustrating. It's frustrating because he's going to have another year not to add to his video resume. And we're we're, we're wasting a great defense and great special teams and doing it because the offense is retrograde where there are so many problems. Because, like, I don't even think Michigan tried that hard on defense. They just kept everything in front of Iowa, right? Like, that, <laughs> that that's the thing I come down to. And you know Burt's going to have some juice in this game. Burt has so much goddamn film. He can go back to his time at Wisconsin to use. Uh, I'm, I bet he is pulling up game film from when he was at Wisconsin about shit. I was going to be running like the book on how to beat Iowa is so old and so thin because <laughs> you just beat him the same way. You get pressure on the quarterback. You collapse the interior offensive line. You you single cover everybody. Don't turn the ball over. Yeah, single cover everybody because nobody's worth double coverage. And I mean basically yeah. That that's basically it. And then protect your quarterback more or less, you know. There we've oft, often talked about how Iowa sacks um are a direct indicator to success. And I just don't, you know, Wisconsin has, or excuse me, Illinois, they, they're like Wisconsin. They have one of the best, arguably the best running back in the country right now. Tommy DeVito doesn't turn it over and playing solid D. Like, they're playing great defense. Yeah. They're the number one scoring defense right now. It's unbelievable. Who's their defensive coordinator? Oh, is this? I don't know. See. I don't know anybody on their coaching staff besides Burt. Wait, I, I just want... I'm going to pull this up, and I just want it to be... Yeah, that was one of the interesting things about the, the game. Ryan Walters. I don't know who that is. Nobody knows who that is. Where'd he come from? Let's see. Give me the... Missouri. Ah. Ah. Yeah, that's where he was for six years prior as defensive coordinator, safeties... There's not a single guy on this coaching staff who I know. See, this is also the thing that just bugs me about Kirk. Is the amount of, like, coaching development he has in terms of, oh, he's got some coaching tree. It is it is a circle. It is Kirk Ferentz. Like, there are no... I, I love LeVar Woods. I think he... Is pro is the highest potential coach on this staff, but I want to see some of these guys spread their wings and fly. Like, not that they're not doing it. It's just like what's why they fired Christ was to make sure fucking baby bird Jim Leonard stays in the nest. And I mean, luckily Phil. I mean, luckily Phil Parker is too old probably to really. He prob the ship has probably sailed on him. For going somewhere else, right? And then, so now it's now it's like, can you stomach the sentence? Hey, we fired Kirk so we could keep the special teams coach. Like just saying though, like I I, I understand that's not exactly apples to orange apples to apples, but like that is the phrase you would have to utter and write. Yeah, and the the other thing about it, Ben, is like I think Paul Paul Christ's he, he was very kind. He gave the hometown discount, got negotiated down from, you know, the $18 million to $11 million. Oh, is that true? I think Iowa would have... Yeah, yeah. I think it was payouts versus lump sum. 
So I think that's... I read yesterday morning it was 16, but okay. Oh. Um, maybe it was 16 down to 11. I definitely saw the 11 today. Damn. But Kirk Ferentz is making Iowa pay every single cent of a buyout. Oh. He's not going to give a hometown discount. No, of course I, not. I can guarantee that. He is the antithesis of Coach Dad. He is Coach Sir. He is Coach Drill Sergeant. Coach Sir. Yeah. <laughs> that's so good. That's so good. Uh, maybe that's where we end it, Ben. I, I don't know that we have much more to take other than... Uh, We'll probably be back for the after party. We'll probably. I'm gonna. I was about to ask. The... Are you going to watch the game? Oh yeah, I've. You know, like I said, we only get twelve moment. We only get twelve mm-hmm. of these games guaranteed. Uh, and I don't know. Maybe I'll save my workout for <laughs> ha- half time so that if uh, it's ugly, I can you know take a take a. One after I'm going to do everything I can to watch this game at a bar. Like, I do not want to be yeah. on my couch at night watching this fucking shit show. Yeah, I'm going to bust out some of the Guinnesses that I have, I think. But we'll see. We'll see. Ah, here's my one prediction. Bert tries to salt the earth, but doesn't. Because how, how... This is like Boston releasing their debut album. Which is like their whole greatest hits and then having to follow it up there is no that is the one thing i'm resting my laurels on is that there is no way bert can follow up what he did last week because that is like that is a pantheon thing to beat a team so bad the team you used to coach out who was not all that mad that you left and beat them so bad they fire their head coach. Your former colleague, who they call Coach Dad, I'm just learning. It it will never be topped. What do you think there's a better chance of? Burt becomes coach at Wisconsin again, or becomes Iowa's next head coach? Oh, I think it's we're talking about like five percent chance versus a four percent chance. <laughs> I I would say better chance he's the head coach at Iowa. I think that would be the better one. Um, you think he stays at Illinois? But he's he's right where he needs to be, man. Think, I love him at Illinois. You think he stays there, really? If if this I turns just, out to not be smoke and mirrors and he returns to winning Big Ten championships, or getting there at least. Is that, is that kind of the team you like? Maybe, maybe, I mean, we didn't talk about the Big Ten West at all. Is, is Illinois the sneaky team you like? Of course, at this as point. Because of course, I don't trust Minnesota. Minnesota doesn't have Mohammed Ibrahim. They are nothing. Yeah, I think that's what that's where I'm leaning is. It's like who's the best offensive player in this division, and that team's probably going to win. Win it, yeah, in the ugliest way possible. And right now, it's Chase Brown. Yeah, it's between so. Chase Brown and Ibrahim, and Ibrahim's injury prone because PJ Fleck is. The absolute worst coach in the world at managing his players' workload. Truly. Yeah, yeah. It's something you've been on all season. Yeah, I know. I I want to all season timestamp all my articles and send them to the Minnesota office and say, "Hey, remember when you denied me admission?" Well, <laughs> not so dumb. I knew after game one, yeah. Ibrahim was getting too much run. Seriously. I mean, if if Kirk did that with uh, running back of his caliber, we'd be screaming. Oh, him. man. Yeah. Especially after running, like, especially because of the way they beat the teams they were beating. Uh, going up 28 points at halftime and still giving him carries on f- the first series of the third quarter. Like, I get it, but he still would be approaching 30 carries a game. Like, you don't need to do that against uh, Eastern Missouri Tech, like whoever the fuck they were playing. New Mexico State. Crazy. Crazy town. Crazy. Crazy stuff indeed. Man, this is incredible, though. He's already halfway to his best season through four games. Ibrahim? Yeah. But he missed all of the last... Yeah, and it should be through five games. He missed all of the Purdue game. Yeah. 
He did indeed. He did indeed. Well, Ben, uh, may we be lucky enough to get paid $11 million to sit in a Wisconsin beer hall and quietly drink our beverages. Silver whining. I'm not seeing Matt Campbell on any coach coach watches right now, which means he gets to stay in Ames. That's where he belongs. Yeah. It is. Yeah. I mean, Alrighty, my friends. Uh, <laughs> I think I think we've we've we uh, we've got all we can muster out of this podcast. I think. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. Well, I'll talk to you later. Maybe after the game, if you're on your way home and want to hop into. Oh, the I'm bringing my space. headphones to the bar. We'll do it. Oh, perfect. Fantastic. So for Ben Ross, Harrison Starr, Go Hawks. Imagine losing to Kansas. <laughs>